2: Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. There is a video version of this show. And off and on throughout the conversation I have with Brian Dalton, Mr. Deity, I have placed several different clips from his channel. Enjoy the show. Okay, here we go. Stand by. Three, two, one. The thinking atheist. It's not a person,
0: it's a symbol, an idea.
2: The population
0: of
1: atheists in this country is going through the roof.
0: Rejecting faith, pursuing knowledge challenging the sacred. If I tell the truth, it's because I tell the truth. Not because I put my hand on a book and made a wish. And working
2: together for a more rational world. Take the risk of thinking for yourself. Much more happiness, truth, beauty, and wisdom will come to you that way. Assume nothing. Question everything. And start thinking. This is the Thinking Atheist Podcast. Hosted by Seth Andrews. Hey, my friends. So good to see everybody. I hope things are good in your world. I had the opportunity to talk to a buddy of mine. Our paths cross once every, I don't know, five years. (laughs) It's uh, Brian Dalton, Mr. Deity himself. I don't know if I should call you Mr. Deity anymore because are you not doing a lot of those videos these days or what's the story Um on that?
1: Yeah, if I, can, if I can do one as though it's a press conference, which is the last one that I did, I'm good. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to go find other people just to, to do a, an episode here and there with. But all of the cast is, you know, busy or gone or, you know, they're all out on their own now. Yeah, so you I know,
2: the little kids have left the nest. They have. You're back. They've
1: all grown and gone away. Tell me about,
2: first of all, I've got to play my cards up front. Brian was kind enough to write the forward to Sacred Cows and he's a guy who's, I've always been amazed by the level of the quality of what you do. You know, I when I got into this game 10 years ago, there was a real quality discrepancy and that has largely been solved uh, somewhat right. by technology and somewhat by education. People have gotten better at shooting their stuff. Right. But I mean, you came along at a time when, Man, we really needed to raise the quality bar, and your stuff looked amazing. This is no accident. You do this professionally.
1: Yeah, well, I I, I made a movie in 2002, and that uh, that went pretty well. Um, but we were encouraged to remake it, and uh, we were we started Deity because we just couldn't get any money to remake the film, and we wanted to. Um, maybe make a little bit of a name for ourselves, Uh, so maybe someone would finally give us money, and we started doing these deity shows, and it just took off, but I I had a, you know, I was, Jimbo and I were, uh, the guy who plays Larry, we're both doing uh, video production, and we had great equipment, and we knew how to use it, and lights, and cameras, and you know, all kinds of great stuff, so um, it just, it just ended up being you know, something that we kind of fell into.
2: Luckily, everything's still
1: in the archive. I mean, even
2: though you may have moved on to some other projects, describe who Mr. Deity is. What's the focus?
1: You know, when I, when I, about halfway into the season, the first season, I had to really kind of like do kind of a, who is this guy? And basically he's an indie film producer. He's a guy who can't get enough funding to do the, the project that he wants to do. So he has to cut corners in every way and has therefore made this crap universe with bad good to evil ratios no other you know sentient being in the multiverse would be allowed to do this but he went rogue and did it on his own and we have a whole season that's just backstory which actually killed me because no one ever had to watch the episode sequentially and that's the only season where you you can't just watch one and you have to watch them in a row to it's a it's a whole backstory of of the mr deity character it was my prequel uh, if you will. And no one wanted to do that. So I, I can't begin to tell you how many people I lost during that season. Not <laughs> so a great So
2: It was like a sequential thing. Like if I missed episode three and four and picked up five yeah. and six, I'm lost. Is that what you're
1: saying? Yeah. Well, they kind of all related to each other and you had to go sequentially through. And I think it was 22 episodes. So it it uh, it really required, required some effort on people's part and no one wanted to do but that. Sure so, God,
2: like Mr. Deity is God.
1: He's God with a with a small G. He's not the God. He's a God.
2: All right. So, did you are you are you responsible for creation? Your version of God or what? Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, so I'm I'm responsible for creation, but I didn't create everything. Uh, you know, energy and matter already existed. Uh, Mister Deity came out of the void uh, because he was he was bored to death. Um, he decided to turn off his all knowingness because it it ruined. Um, you know things like birthday parties and, and the endings of M Night Shyamalan <laughs> Even even the good one, as as we say in one of the episodes.
2: You, you know uh, what's coming. It just sort of takes all the juice right out of living, doesn't it? It just no yes, it no surprises.
1: Yeah, and we we actually did an episode where he turns his all knowingness back on because I wanted people to understand how obnoxious it would be. To have to communicate with an all-knowing person who knows exactly what you're going to say every time you start to open your mouth. Okay, I know what you're doing. You're trying to think of absolutely nothing, but it's not going to work because I can simply jump forward in time to the next thing that you're going to say. How is- I know. How does anyone expect to have a personal relationship with this? And this isn't even the worst part. L? am right here. And before you ask, right here is everywhere. But I'm immaterial. I know. Who would want to be around this for more than five minutes? It's awful. You've been such a trooper. I really appreciate it. So then... Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do, and I know exactly when I'm going to do it. In fact, I feel as though I have no choice in the matter whatsoever. Do you know how impotent that makes me feel? No, not that kind of impotent. But I am an all-powerful being, and yet I feel not one ounce of free will. I feel as though all of my decisions have already been made for me because I always know exactly what I'm going to do way before I do it. And it's even worse once I'm outside time. Oh, why? Because when I'm outside time, I have no ability to act whatsoever. No time, no action. It's like I'm a photograph rather than a movie. I'm completely inert. Uh, I always think of that when I think, really, you're going to hang out with a with an all-knowing being who exists outside of time. How, how, how does how does that work? How exactly does that work?
2: I never thought of in that context before. Like it would be the most. I mean, everything's predicted well in advance it would just be horrible yeah well it'd be horrible anyway Uh, your your god is kind of a and i want to bounce into the new stuff that you're working on because you've got some beautiful things on the plate but your god is like this i I, confused isn't the word You're, you're bemused perhaps you just kind of look around like like the consequences of your actions sometimes are late news to you like holy shit when when i created this i didn't realize it was going to be a problem i mean am i reading the character right or what
1: well he's obtuse he's completely obtuse but you know here's what i want to tell people i'm not straying from from the source material here i mean that's that's who he is if you read the book he doesn't know the most basic things like, you know, the, the, the moon is not another source of light, or that, uh, you know, young girls can, can break their hymen before they have intercourse. He, he's just an idiot based on the text. Not, I mean, I'm, I don't, you don't have to stretch it. He's just a complete immoral idiot. So I told him the promised land was that crappy little area right off the Mediterranean, <laughs> do you know what I'm that
0: talking tiny about? place with yeah. no oil? No oil. Sir, sir, you have to stop your people, you gotta send down an angel, do something- Stop what? What are they doing? They're gonna stone an innocent girl to death. You're kidding, that's outrageous, what did she do? Well, well they're saying she's not a virgin.
1: Oh, well.
0: Oh. Well? It's just- you know, if she's not a virgin...
2: Is she or isn't she?
0: Uh, does it matter? They're gonna stone her to death. They're going to kill her. And she could have just been, you know, riding horseback or something. Well, she should have gone side sidesaddle. Did, did they catch her fornicating? No! Well, so then how do they know she's not a virgin? Yeah. Uh, she was married yesterday, and her husband takes her up to the room, and you know, there was no... No evidence of virtue? Yeah, if you want to call it that.
1: Well, I don't know what you want me to do about it. Well, I want you to stop it. That's their culture. Uh, Their culture? That's how they roll. That's how they roll. This this father probably put down a pretty penny for the dowry, and I'll bet the groom was expecting some USDA Prime, not something that's already been chewed on, I'll bet he's sick
0: oh. Yeah, and this girl made her father look like a total schmuck. Total I schmuck. Mean, his reputation will never be the same never. if he does nothing. He'll have
1: no honor. Larry, this guy thought he was driving off the lot in a brand new caddy, and then he gets her home, pops the hood, and sees nothing but wear and tear. And there's no oil in the damn thing. Dry motor. I mean, if, th- th- if that doesn't deserve some kind of punishment, I don't know what does. So
0: do all the men have to be virgins too?
1: Why? No, I don't know when that would be necessary. Well, how do you work
0: the math on that one? It takes two to tango. Hey, look, I'm the first to admit I'm not good at math.
1: And he doesn't like the tango. He's no. more of a disco. That's who the God of the Bible is. So that's who I play him as. I play him as the real thing. It's not a. It's not a stretch in any way.
2: It goes down a little easier though because of the sort of humorous tone. There's something about the the temperature of Mr. Deity that doesn't come off like you are, you know, you're not writing about the God of the Bible is, you know, and then that Dawkins quote at the end of it, the monster, I don't know, you, you lace it with sugar, so to speak.
1: Well, he is lovable still, you know, he's, he's, I'm, I play him so that you don't, you don't hate him. You just, you just, you know, you look at and you know anyone in our real lives who we—I I, I mean, Borat is the perfect example, right? Borat co- comes here and he talks to people, and people just give him the benefit of the doubt because they know, well, he's from another country. He does another country. He doesn't understand our ways. His culture is different, and they'll just let him get away with all kinds of stuff because he's basically lovable. He's not—he's not trying to be a dick, though he is. Um, <laughs> But, but, they get, you know, everybody gives him the benefit of the doubt. That's basically the Mr. Deity character is, you know, yeah, he's, he's a jerk and he's insensitive, but he's, you know, he's got all this power, so you don't want to piss him off. And, um, you know, you just want to keep him doing as little damage as he possibly can. And that's what, that's what Lucy and Larry try to do. Jesus, Jesus is just kind of, you know, I always thought of the show as, you know, Larry is the heart of the show. Lucy is the brain's. And uh Jesus is the body because he's he's gorgeous. Um and and Mr. Deity is just kind of there for you know, to to make things happen. Yeah. But um he is an idiot. But but again, not not really any different from the source material. Yeah,
2: yeah, I love the fact that you do link directly to the verses of the old and new testament. It's awesome. So, yeah. you know, that's what I know you from. That's what a lot of people have been introduced to you through. That's why I wanted to go back and talk about Mr. Deity, even though you're focused on other things. But Right. Then, after that, it's probably the angriest I've ever seen you. I caught a video that you had done right after Charlie Hebdo in yes. regard to the Pope. Yeah. you want Maybe you can set it up better than I can. All I know is that you were pissed because the Pope had been deferential when it came to free speech and you know we should expect a response kind of thing and you just i've never seen that level of pissed offedness so you tell me about it
1: i woke up that morning i read his comments and i was i if i could have just beaten the shit out of him i i would have i mean explain the
2: comments in your own
1: Well, the comments were basically, you know, if if someone says something bad about my mother, I'm going to physically assault them. And you have the right to do that. And, you know, people need to watch what they say. And to which I said, fuck you, asshole. As though the Catholic Church hadn't already done everything it possibly could to absolutely obliterate the moral credibility it never had, this morning, I woke up to the Pope, the Vicar of Christ, the head of the Holy Roman Catholic Church, advocating actual physical violence in response to offensive or provocative speech, thereby inciting violence and coddling the terrorists who killed my fellow satirist last week at the French Weekly, Charlie Hebdo. If my good friend Dr. Gaspari says a curse word against my mother, he can expect a punch. It's normal. You cannot provoke, you cannot insult the faith of others, you cannot make fun of the faith of others. There are so many people who speak badly about religions or other religions, who make fun of them, who make a game out of the religions of others. They are provocateurs, and what happens to them is what would happen to Dr. Gaspari if he says a curse against my mother. There is a limit. Well, I have three words for you, Pope Frankie. Fuck you, asshole. I not only can make fun of the faith of others, I do it professionally, you sick totalitarian bastard, you terrorist apologist. Your claim to be connected to some higher power gets you no pass from criticism, ridicule, and mockery, you self-important jerkwad. And by the way, does the fact that I'm so deeply offended by what you've said now Give me the right to physically harm Catholics, destroy Catholic property, or say something like, well, you know, if the Pope gets assassinated, well, the Pope brought it on himself. You simple-minded, mouth-breathing provocateur. I thought it was outrageous. I just, I've never been so upset by anything. I literally wrote that piece in 20 minutes and then shot it. I mean, I I was, I was livid and I, I wanted to get it up ASAP and, um, I, I don't think I've ever been as upset. I got I got almost as close when one of the Mormon leaders told people that they should not love people that they should not love, um, or uh, I can't remember the phrasing. It was awful too. But these these people are just. There's nothing worse than people thinking that they know the mind of God. There really is nothing worse on the planet. And you're an authority. I mean, you can you can address <laughs>
2: these challenges. It's true.
1: <laughs> yes. Let's
2: talk about. I mean, not just Charlie Hebdo, but blasphemy right blasphemy is a victimless crime right ridicule right. is a great way to lampoon the powerful to draw a circle around many of the problems i don't i'm not a fan of ridicule one on one but in the larger picture it has yes. great utility and yet we're in this weird culture i don't know how you could be a comedian in today's speech climate because everything you say is the potential Right. Uh call out or cancellation or lawsuit or you're fired. I don't know. You're, do I call you a, a humorist or comedian? You operate in those waters. What are your thoughts?
1: I think of myself as a satirist um, first, more than any other thing. And um, yeah, it is, it is, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay on the straight and narrow. Now it's a, it's a weird thing because comedy did not used to be like that. You could just say anything and people would just write it off to, you. well, he's just making a joke. Well, now they're, you know everything's potentially not a joke. It's a harmful, hurtful thing, and to a certain extent, I, I understand it. But I do think we've we've gone over the edge. You know, uh, um, moderation in all things. You know, I, I, some of these people are just too freaked out by everything, and I've gotten my my fill of you know people shitting on me for for stuff that I I do and say. I think there's um,
2: probably a an absence of good faith, meaning that they automatically assume ill intent.
1: Yeah, and I think right.
2: intent matters, doesn't it? What you mean, yeah. what you're trying to accomplish, is important, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I, I, it's not everything, obviously. Intent is not everything, but but it, in terms of understanding something, it is everything. You know, I mean, a person's intent in any situation really does help you understand where they're coming from. So, and sometimes people people just say things that are, you know, and it's very difficult also because in this culture, this, this, I mean, we are hyper, um, hyper rapidly changing. I mean, what, what was acceptable to say yesterday literally may not be acceptable to say the next day, you know? So there's a, there's a lot of stuff. I, I feel, I feel really bad for, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there now. I'm 54, but I do feel bad for, for older people who just cannot keep up with, what they're what's out of bounds now and what's not you know and and they're just you know they're just not gonna they're not gonna make it i that's why i'm worried about joe biden right now i mean i, I just
2: <laughs> I yeah. can't imagine
1: him yeah. keeping up with everything he's already put his foot in his mouth i don't know how many times since he announced so that that's just gonna keep happening and
2: uh talking here with uh, brian <laughs> dalton you're 54 i mean Fifty-four.
1: You look. You got a good
2: ca- taxidermist or something, because you look really good over there. I'm just saying.
1: I have the world's oiliest skin. Nice. I, it, it, <laughs> it, was, it was an absolute nightmare when I was younger because I had cystic acne and had to deal with all that crap. But uh, in terms of aging, uh, you know, I don't have hardly any wrinkles. And you know, the worst you can say about me is my hair is God is all right.
2: God has no beginning and but no end.
1: Yeah, um, I used to actually have to. Uh, spray white into it when we started and then you know i married lucifer and that that changed all that the hair went white just a couple years so um
2: you segue out of mr deity and then you it was way of the mister next in your line of projects
1: yeah we i started doing way of the mister because we had we had done the second season of mr deity with sony and there was a long period where they were trying to figure out whether we, we were going to do a second season with them or not, and they wanted to do something much bigger, and they turned out not being able to do it, but we were kind of on hiatus for almost 18 months, so I started doing this show called Words, which was short-lived, and um, and The Way of the Mister, which was kind of what I, you know, I wanted to do it as opposed to Kirk Cameron and and Ray Comfort, uh, Way of the Master. I thought this would be a, a funny take, and... It, it, it was, it's the Mr. Deity ethos of anti-theism and, and um, atheism and free thought and skepticism, but, you know, in a different format. And that format can take all kinds of, of different uh, shapes and forms. The first one we did was a 60 Minutes-like piece about reparative therapy. Um, but we've I've done a lot of sh- just straight talking to the camera I do these things every now and then called mr. Peace theater where they're they're little vignettes of of things that kind of make a point that I think of here and there and uh, yeah, and that's that's how that happens.
2: so you play it straight on way of the mister or
1: well it's still it's still comedy oriented it's it's always funny I mean I think I write funny but i I pop in these little um pop-ups that are almost like I think of them as. A literate version of uh, mystery science theater. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of comments that you would hear from the gang. You know, sitting in the in the chairs watching the movie or the video, but they're just little words or or sentences that pop up. Um, people people hate me because I don't I don't keep them up long enough, and it's a little bit strategy because I want them to just watch the video again, and everybody tells me, "Damn you! I have to watch the video twice." <laughs> <laughs> Those pop-ups go by too quick. So once I watch listening to you and once I just read the pop-ups, um, but I have I have lengthened them because I've gotten so many complaints. But the pop-ups, I, I had to re-upload something last night um, because it didn't have my begging segment in it and I forgot about it. And I went back after three weeks and I, I was just looking, looking it over to uh, make sure everything was okay. And I had forgotten all the pop ups and I was laughing my ass off. And that's that's the best thing in the world to me when I can go back and watch my own stuff and, and it cracks me up. I'm like, okay, that was that was pretty cool. Because when by the time you're doing it, you probably know this. By the time you're actually finished, you know, cutting a piece together and putting all this stuff in there, it just seems like the stupidest piece of crap ever. <laughs> because you've seen it a zillion times. I had I had so much anxiety the first season of Mr. Deity because every time we would shoot I would write it I would think this is funny when we were doing it I would think it's funny but after hours and hours and hours of editing and hearing this stuff over and over again I would call them going I, I, I don't know what, what, what we're doing What, why are we doing this this is awful it's horrible and and they would all watch and go, "No, dude, that was hysterical. That's funny." i mean, uh, okay, you're like that right. kid
2: in the back seat who's going, "Is this real life? Like you've just lost all yeah. perspective."
0: Right. You know, right. I'm, I'm that way.
2: If I'm writing a speech or writing a book, right, I'm, I usually start with, "Oh, it's a great idea," and then before right. you know, you get into the process, and then halfway through, you just you become numb. You lose all objectivity. And what was I? I'm de- yeah. this is shit. I'm going to throw this in the trash. Nobody, everyone's going to hate this. And then, you know, if, but if you can push through, I don't know if it's true for you. If I can push through, usually on the other side, I start to get that enthusiasm back, you know, in the last 20%. And, uh, and sometimes and yeah, it even works out. So
1: at this point, I trust my instincts because it's, it's worked long enough. And even if it's not good, it's certainly working. So I don't give, I don't even give a shit anymore. It's, it's, you know,
2: <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, a I really, do. In that. I
1: yeah. do want to. I do want to do good stuff. I don't want to phone it in, but uh, I don't I don't really care what I'm thinking anymore when I'm in the midst of the process. I, I trust the original instinct.
2: By the way, there is a, a listener line. If you have a comment or question for Brian, you're welcome to dial in, and I'll get to as many of those as come in or as many as I have time for. Ray Comfort sent me a fruit basket this last, I think it was Jan- December, January, something like that. He's sent me a basket of fruit, with his appreciation, because I guess he used a clip of mine in one of his atheist movie-style documentary I call him a documentary, where he goes out and he yeah. finds the most clueless atheists on the planet, people who have never considered why they don't believe in a God. And right. he gets them on camera, and they're just as, I mean you know, they're blindsided. They don't have any good responses. And then he sort of turns them around. And at the end is like, Hey, now don't you agree with me? And they're like, yeah, I do agree with you. And he's like, ah, yeah, it's not amazing. Praise Jesus. And yeah. I guess he used a clip from me somewhere in one of his films. Has he ever contacted you Ray comfort to talk about the way of the mister.
1: He has not, but I actually, I was waiting in line at Caltech to go see, I think it might've been Richard Dawkins. Uh, it was part of a skeptic event here. And he actually handed me—I didn't realize it was him—but he himself handed me his own copy of *The Origin of Species* with the little <laughs> introduction that he did. And I said, "Oh, thank you." And I didn't—I didn't know it was him until I—you I, I, know—I did one of those double takes where you wait. Was that was that Ray Comfort?
2: I think that hey, was Ray. Comfort. Brian, what is that? Did he write just an introduction to the actual Darwin book, or is it a commentary? Hey.
1: No, it's the actual book with his own introduction, which just skews everything as, <laughs> as far out of whack as you possibly can. It's 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 you know how presumptuous oh, is
2: that? Like I'm gonna grab the most revolutionary book, arguably, in the history of biological science, and I'm right. gonna write a forward. And uh, no one asked for me to do this. I'm gonna write a forward right. and then I'm gonna present it to the masses. I mean, how presumptuous yeah. is that?
1: I thought I should be doing that with the Bible. I should like <laughs> Just skew it as much as possible, and actually, you know, that's kind of what I do with my show. Is actually, I have one, I have one going up um, this month called um, "He's Not the Messiah, He's a Very Naughty Boy," which is from uh, "Life of Brian," one of my all-time favorite movies, and it's just just looking a little bit more at the Jesus character critically and going through all of that. But uh, yeah, it, it is it, the hubris is amazing.
2: I've got uh, three hundred three on the switchboard. Thanks for calling in. You are on with Brian Dalton. Who's this?
3: This is Donna. I'm from Aurora, Colorado.
2: Hi, Donna. Hi, Donna. What, your, uh, what do you What do you have for us today? What I, do you think?
3: I just thought that Brian might find it funny that my mother, who is from Alabama, uh, raised us Mormon. But she was rebelling against the Jehovah's Witness religion when she joined the Mormon church at age sixteen.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's from the frying pan into the fire or from the fire into the frying pan. Maybe a, maybe a little of both, just depending on the topic. Did you
3: yeah, escape from I anything?
2: I mean, what'd you come out
1: of?
3: Oh, my mother raised us Mormon until, we were about, uh, until I was about 12.
2: What changed?
3: And then she... She uh, was told by some man in the church that she needed to be working on having more kids and especially boys because we didn't have any boys in the family. And she was just sort of like, "Um, okay, I'm out of here. So it it didn't make her lose her faith, but she definitely didn't want to be Mormon anymore. So we left and kind of wandered around. I just kind of thought that would be amusing to you as an ex-Mormon that this was a rebellion against the JWs, no, I'm, I'm even a little
1: more connected because my dad grew up Catholic, and his family converted to Jehovah's Witnesses after he married my mom, who was Mormon. And then he married my mom to keep peace in the family. He never bought it. And they, <laughs> basically, they basically excommunicated him. So I never... I never knew my father's family. I saw my uncle and aunt once um, at my grandma's funeral. I think I saw my grandma maybe five or six times over the course of my life from my dad's side. So they're, they're really good at, at, at just completely cutting you off. They're better at that than the Mormons yeah, are. Oh, yeah. You do that.
3: I still have JW relatives, but they suck at cutting us all off. We're really bad at it.
1: <laughs> well, you know, when... i
3: thankful.
2: Who could cut you off? Who who could cast yeah. you out, you know?
3: Yeah. <laughs> plenty have plenty have done so well we love you <laughs> but i'm proud to say that my parents are both i think they're both secret atheists my mother i think will never stop calling herself religious because she's from alabama and it's part of the culture and
2: right. she doesn't
3: feel southern uh without it so
2: why don't you tell you her know, that you were on the uh, uh, radio with god today and see how that goes over okay <laughs>
3: He actually has seen a couple episodes of Mr. Deity and found it pretty funny. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I think he's I have- mostly a secret atheist. My dad definitely is. And so we're all kind of uh, me and sister and nieces are all out and proud and fine. So, you know. Right. I've only had a couple people <laughs> yeah.
1: cut me off in my life and, and usually I've been married to them. So, <laughs> well, thank
3: you for all the funny shows, and thank you, Seth. I was, I'm so mad because I'm going to be in Chicago uh, on the 27th when you're here in my town. Oh no, at the Free Thought Conference.
2: Well, I'm be in
3: Chicago, on that day.
2: one day, ah! one day we will we <laughs> yes. will rendezvous, and I'll, if I have to do a show live just for you in the lobby, you got it, okay? So.
3: Uh, well, thank you very much. All, all right. right, we'll thank talk you. to you later. Thank you very much, you guys.
2: You know, it's funny, Brian. um, I used to think that I always say it like this and it just sounds terrible, but I used to think that, you know, Mormons are just these happy, weird people. Like, you know, they're all like I had Mormon neighbors in uh, one of my previous homes. They were the best, sweetest, nicest people in the world. They were awesome. And it was only after I sort of got into the layers of the onion that I realized how fucking insidious the mormon yeah. faith really is so yeah. i mean you've got the insider perspective can you speak to that
1: yeah it's the the amazing thing about it is that it's insidious with a smile i mean it really is when you're in it you don't really have any clue how insidious it is and how provincial and um, oh, what's the word insular it is that you know it's because it really occupies your entire life. They're, they're, they're good at keeping you busy and keeping you within the, the, the fold.
2: Um, Are you taking medicine yeah. over there, Brian? I heard a ding. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah.
1: just I, I forgot to silence my watch.
2: Hold no, on, let me no problem, my friend. Go ahead. Uh, Forget, I know it's a uh, serious topic. Forgive me. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, they 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 keep you. I, in fact, I have I'm working on a way of the mister for next month because I, I've been having this debate about. Ah, uh, with this with this commenter about whether Mormons are brainwashed or not. and and the funny thing is is that in his comments right there, you can see the brainwashing. but he can't he just can't see it. He cannot see it. You know, he he literally wrote to me something to the effect of, you know, I, I was talking about thinking for yourself, and he, he said, well, clearly, what happened to you is that you opened the door to Satan when you started thinking for yourself. Well, that's brainwashing. <laughs> if you're going to make people afraid of thinking for themselves and tell them that's an open door to Satan, uh, you know where you're going. You know, Mormons don't really have a hell, so I can't say, you know, you're going to burn forever. But you know, you're going to be in the lesser heaven. You're going to be in the Walmart of heavens instead of the Nordstrom. Um, you, don't get your,
2: you don't get your own planet, do you? That's uh, Scientology. Absolutely.
1: If you no, if you if you go all the way up, if you reach the top upper echelons of the celestial kingdom, you become a god. Um, and you get to create your own universe and people with you know people which I, I always you know I never thought about when I, when I was there but I, I, I just have to ask Mormons really you're, you're going to re- recreate this mess for more people are you freaking kidding me I, the, you know yeah let's I, I what I really want to do is watch my own spirit children go down to a place and rape each other and commit genocide and you know I want to see babies die of, of cancer and you know, yay! Let's do that. Jeez, <laughs> oh, so not thought through at all.
2: Brian Dalton, when you were a Mormon, were you brainwashed? How old were yes, you?
1: Yes, I was. I totally was because I grew up in it. So uh, you know, at three years old, you know they they have you giving talks in church. I mean, it's really kind of brilliant when you think about it. But you start, you start talking and you start spouting and giving your testimony and all that stuff before you even can think through, you know, five plus five. I mean, it's just, they get you young and then they keep you in it. And, you know, you're warned about the others. And so you, you know, all of my friends growing up, the vast majority of them were Mormon until I, you know, I had 12 and, and my mom stopped giving a shit about me and my dad never did. So I was on my own and I kind of went my own way after that. But then I got I got hooked in later, um, and then became rabid about about Mormonism. I thought I would absolutely discovered the the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So, I went crazy about it for maybe five or six years, and then started to slow down, and then finally found my way out after about ten years. How's
2: that happen? I mean, just what you opened a, opened just a just book a- that wasn't the Book of Mormon, or?
1: Well, it was just a slow you know, it's just little teeny bits, which is why I do what I do, because I know there are little teeny bits here that get you thinking and you know, they're not gonna make you leave today, but that thought will lead to another thought and that thought leads to another thought, and then pretty soon you're you're not so afraid to actually look into things because you're starting to realize things don't add up here and you know, now I'm I'm more interested in knowing the truth than than keeping the comfort going, which I think is the real battle in almost all of religion, in terms of getting people to think for themselves and, and get out of it. It's it's really a battle over am I going to am I going to give up the comfort?
2: Yeah, I had, um, to, give a, I had to give myself permission to ask those yeah. questions because you don't feel like you're qualified, right? They tell right. you you are not qualified, right? So. Yeah, uh, I, someone in when, Jackie in the chat room said something, and I'll just echo her question. She said, have you been to go see the comedy musical The Book of Mormon? And what are your thoughts?
1: Of course, I, I've seen it three times. I have I have a, a benefactor who's who's really connected to the ex-Mormon community. And um, every time he'll bring a group of people out here from all over the country. He's, he's well off uh, to see The Book of Mormon when it's when it's playing here. And they always want Mr. Deity to come along. So I've gotten to see it three times for free, which is just the most amazing thing. And every time I see it, I'm I'm just stunned at how good it is. I I, I think I'm not gonna enjoy it as much this time. And then I enjoy it even more than I did the last time. It's just it's a it's a masterful piece of work. Awesome. Absolutely brilliant.
2: Let me take a short break. When I come right back, we're gonna talk about Prager University and Brian Dalton's version of Prager. It's called Prager Fu. I love it. It's coming up next. Hang on. Some of my favorite podcast supporters and sponsors are the ones who provide something that our people use every day. I mean, you need it anyway. You can purchase what you're already going to buy somewhere else, but you can do it in a way that supports the show. Harry's is a terrific example of this. And a lot of guys shave with a razor, and anybody who has bought razors knows the challenge of finding high-quality, travel-friendly shave supplies that are not a bunch of expensive, gimmicky overkill. Harry's was founded by a couple guys who were just sick of the gimmicks. They were just sick of it. And they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany. They eliminated the middleman. And then they made a quality, durable razor blade with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip. Five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave. Rich, lathering shave gel that'll leave you smelling great and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at com slash thethinkingatheist. Make sure you go to com slash thethinkingatheist to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. Thanks for supporting the sponsors of this broadcast, but also thanks for being a patron. And if you'd like a totally commercial-free show and you'd like to get it a couple of days early, I do appreciate your support so much at patreon.com slash Seth Andrews. I continue my conversation here with producer and activist Brian Dalton. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Prager FU here in just a second, but first back to the switchboard. I've got 316. Thanks for waiting on me. You're on the Thinking Atheist podcast. What's your name?
3: Ah, hello. This is James Rockcroft of the Force.
2: Hey, James, you're on with Brian Dalton. What do you have for us?
3: Um, I want to say you guys have been such a huge inspiration for me. Oh, thank you. Um,
0: my uh, good friend, uh, Chase, he's a Christian, but he was a huge fan of... Uh, Christopher Hitchens, even though he didn't
2: discover him until 2014, and uh, I've been trying to smuggle Mr. Dee's video about on Christopher Hitchens to him because I found it
3: absolutely hilarious.
2: Explain um, that to me. I'm sorry. You did a? Did you do some stuff on Hitch, Brian? I did
1: a. I did kind of a memoriam uh, episode where he's he's coming up to give me hell. And Mr. Deity is absolutely terrified of, of having to confront Hitch. And, um, of course, first at first he's excited because he thinks he's going to be able to recreate um, Rear Window now that he's got Hitch <laughs> you know, and Jim Stewart and, uh, you know, the princess. Um, but then he realizes, oh, no, it's that Hitchens. And is there any kind of, you know, what, what does he want? And, you know, he basically, Mr. Deity makes a deal with with hitch to, you know he's gonna he's gonna at least uh, you know give him something he's he's just absolutely Try terrified. Give him the boobs. yeah he's he's terrified of of hitch so <laughs> you know, who, who wouldn't be who wouldn't well i mean good either.
2: luck with your uh, with your buddy i know that it's not easy but uh, i think i think uh, brian's material and material like it's often i it's kind of a gateway. Forgive the word, Brian. It's, but
1: it's, no, it's, no, no. I use it myself. i You're right. Okay. Okay. Good.
2: Because I mean, you know, you're you're accessible, and it's I think humor's uh, attractive to people. You know, and I lo- I know that like if you weren't doing Christianity, let's say you're going after Mormonism, etc. I mean, people in one faith love to laugh at other faiths, right?
1: So, right. Of course. That's a foot yes. in the door. So. the truth is they don't mind laughing at their own when you know when I started doing this I had been with enough religious people moderate religious people throughout my my years as a religious person that I knew if you did it well and you didn't cross certain lines they'd laugh at it too and they they did I mean when I when I was doing this early on I would say 40 percent of my email I got was from believers who said you know I don't necessarily agree with your point of view but I, I like that it's about something that I know about and it, it makes me laugh and uh, it's very funny. So it's hard. It's hard to be pissed at something that you're laughing at and laughing is involuntary. So it's, you know, you make people laugh. So it gets in there, you know, whether you want it to or not.
2: Well, best of luck with the project, my friend. And I hope all the pieces come together for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you. I wish you guys well.
2: <laughs> all right, take it easy. Thanks. So Dennis Prager, is conservative evangelical radio host and pundit. And he is the founder of Prager U or Prager University. Yeah. I find great utility in Prager U in the sense that it provides me a case study in how to argue about your faith in the most wrong way humanly possible. Every time I see them attack Any one of these arguments, whether it be about science or ethics and morality or purpose or any of these other things, or they, I love the fact that they're experts on atheists and what we think. Every time they jump into those waters, they just get it wrong. And I find myself shaking my head. So from that platform, let me ask you about Prager FU.
1: Yeah, so I started doing Prager FU, which by the way, um, I always find it funny. Some people get mad at me saying, you know, you had to get vulgar with it. But they're not really thinking that if it were Prager, fuck you, it would be F-Y instead of (laughs) F-U. I like that it sounds like F-U, but um, originally my thinking was fake university or, you know, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, But that's Uh, what I came to understand. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, people don't know this, but I used to work with and for Dennis Prager back in the late 80s and early 90s. And we were very good friends. Um, we played racquetball together probably two or three times a week. I was over to his house for Shabbat dinners all the time um, and I worked I had an office that was actually part of his office. He paid my rent and I, I did I produced his newsletter um, and then I did my own stuff for other people I was doing graphic design at the time and we, uh, we worked together for years and we were good friends until 2007. Um, when he did something, which I, I I can't talk about, but it's it was just outrageous to someone that I knew and loved, and um, he was the schmuck of the world, and I, I was not going to have anything to do with him after that point. So and, I got to uh, play
2: devil's advocate, right? I mean, come on, Brian, this is personal. You're just trying to screw the guy who screwed your friend kind of thing you know I mean
1: now this speaks right this is the the irony is 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 that he was really breaking one of his own you know he loves the Ten Commandments and there's a big one of the big ten in there that he really tolerated from <laughs> a, mutual, a mutual friend oh. and really hurt another mutual friend because of it and then he just gave this person sucker and um well I, you know, i'm not i'm
2: not I'm, that didn't mean to push you down a road you don't want to go down but
1: yeah, that's, that's that's all i but mean, I, mean I think
2: you know one of those things one of the obvious responses would be well you know it, it's personal that's why you're doing prager Fu, but uh you were going after really the uh, the arguments in the theology right
1: in terms of the videos i i never bring up the personal stuff or even that i the, i don't even mention i don't think that i've ever worked with him or that we were good friends. It's, it's basically just taking the videos almost line by line and finding the stupid. In our next few videos, we're going to be taking a look at the U video, Where Do Good and Evil Come From? I'm gonna say Amazon, and I'm told there's free two-day shipping if you're a Prime member, that sounds amazing. But let's see what our U professor, Peter Crave says. That took me three takes.
0: I'm going to argue for the existence of God, from the premise that moral, good, and evil really exist.
1: So Pete is going to use moral, good, and evil, the existence of which cannot be demonstrated, to argue for the existence of God, whose, whose existence cannot be demonstrated. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to argue for the existence of sock demons, from the premise that Bigfoot exists. This guy's a professor somewhere? Pete, did you get your degree at my alma mater, Prager? You Go devils! You know they're not accredited, right? He should have gone to trump you. At least he could have gotten a good stake out of it. I don't know about good, but... It's it's amazing. I have one coming up this month where they, they had a guy... I don't even know how you do this stuff with a straight face. They had a guy... Basically, the, the title of it is something like the the book that you should read to your kids. And it's the Bible. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's no easier... I mean, that's it's like shooting fish in a barrel. I, I can go line by line on this one. And it's probably one of the funniest things, at least part one, is it's going to be, you know, probably four or five parts. There's just so much to it. It's ridiculous. But part one is I think it's pretty freaking hysterical. Well, what what I mean,
2: are some of the subjects that Prager takes? Uh, I mean, what are the I've mentioned a few the morality argument and evolution, yeah. et cetera. I mean, but you've I've seen done, it more than I have.
1: Yeah, I've, I've done ones on the afterlife. I think I had a four or five part series on on a video called uh, Um, well, something about the afterlife. We live in a world which is absolutely identical in every way imaginable to a world not created by a good and just God. But instead of simply accepting these facts and the conclusion they warrant, the religious, for purposes which Dennis admits are entirely emotional, imagine an unknown realm where these undeniable facts are remedied in some future world of which we have no evidence or knowledge. This is literally the definition of wishful thinking, going from what we know to what we don't in order to relieve us of what we know. And the reason is clear, Prager spends the last minute and a half of this video pointing out how awful life would be if there were no good and just God and no afterlife to remedy the world of immeasurable injustice and suffering this good and just God created for us. Dennis even confesses that his belief in God and the afterlife is the psychopharmatheological remedy he must take in order to maintain his sanity. There's another series that they did with um, a scientist talking about how, um, you know, uh, atheists are as every bit as faith, you know, motivated because of the multiverse that, you know, the multiverse is just pure faith as as, a you know, a believer. And it's just silly. And, and he was he was so disingenuous about science and scientists and, and how you know, we don't we don't believe things the way you believe a, a religious tenet. You know, it's it's a it's a provisional thing, and and you're thinking, well, that that sounds good for now, but uh, you know, I'm not going to believe it or give my provisional assent until the the science is in. And you know, everyone knows that the science isn't in on the multiverse or whatever. So it was disingenuous, but they've done meaning and and uh, suffering, and you know, uh, you know theodicy and all of that kind of stuff so we just go I just go through and I generally pick out the religious ones um, mostly because people seem to hate it I started a, a political show um, during the 2016 campaign because I felt I had to say something and it's called Mr. D goes to Washington and people are not fond of, of hearing my political views so I generally just I, I still do that for my patrons um, a lot of times, I don't even release the video on on YouTube because so many people are annoyed by my political views, which is strange because I, I really did think we were a little bit more coalescing, you know, on on politics, uh, free thinkers and atheists and skeptics and and we're really not. It is like herding cats. It's absolutely like herding cats. We're just all over the place on every other topic. We all agree that this god thing is bullshit, but after that, it's every man for himself. So. Um,
2: it's hard too I think because there's such a bleed over with religion and politics. In many yes. ways it's impossible not to if, if we're going to be true to humanist values and to speak against the pseudoscience, the anti-science, the assault on human rights, etc. I mean right. you you've got to address the elephant in the room, the big orange elephant in the room and you see I mean I would say most of the people on my page are they're progressives in the way that they have liberal values but yeah. you know it's almost impossible to mention a political opinion without watching the seas part and then before you know what people are throwing grenades at each other
1: right right i'm i'm uh, yeah it's interesting because yeah my my politics are absolutely informed by my by my humanism which came via my atheism um and I don't understand when there's one party who is clearly anti-science, how that's not, um, you know, a big factor in people's thinking. But, you know, people have, it's another area where, you know, people have, I think there are a few key insights, which if you, if you have them, they almost compel you into the point of view that I have. Um, one, uh, one of them is that the role of luck in life. I believe that luck is the guiding force of the universe. You know, when I started doing Mr. Deity, this is not the pendant I used to wear because it broke, but I had a pendant that said luck in uh, English and Chinese on, that I wore all the time. And in episode, episode two of season two, I think Mr. Deity says luck is the guiding force of the universe. And I truly, truly believe that. And if you once you do believe that and you realize how how deep that goes... And I have, a, I have a dear friend who teaches cognitive science down here at, at, at Cal State Long Beach. Um, and she says, there's really only one, one piece of luck that matters. And that is, are you born with the wherewithal to handle whatever is going to come at you in life? And that's, that's really it. It's, it's one thing. And it's, it's largely in things that you have no control over, you know, your genes, your parents, your economic uh, situation—you that know—we're just born into this this mess of possibility and probability, and and um, and want and need and all of these things that are going to determine the person that you become and how you're going to handle life and what comes at you. And it's—it's it's, none of it is under your control. And I think once people understand that and how. The mind really works. I mean, cognitive science is huge for me. I I, I want to push David Eagleman's Incognito as much as I can. I think that book is is a masterpiece. of Of, of it's a great little primer of, of neuroscience. It's it's three or f- maybe six years old now, but it's still amazing. But once you understand how we're not in charge of who we are, like we think we are, and to the extent that we think we are, we don't. We're not looking at all the the stuff that's gone on before that's rewired your brain or or the wiring that was there initially that makes you the person that you are
2: i'm not going to get into the free, i'm not going to ask you about free will because that's another hour i'm not doing it i'm not doing yeah, it yeah no no but I, I have to be pedantic for just a second because right, I know there are going right. to be some people in the comment sections who got hung up on the word luck. You're not talking like like an agency, like Lady Luck, like luck was in your favor. You're talking just, about chance and those types of things.
1: Yes, it's the basic, you know, situations. People, people, you know, people talk about. Well, if you make the right choices, well, and work hard. Those are my two favorites. If you make your, the right choices and work hard, well, some people don't have any choices. They have no choices. And and some people, no matter how, how hard they work, it's not going to pay off for them. I mean, if you were, I mean, this is the extreme example, but if you were a slave in 19th century America, it didn't matter how hard you worked <laughs> or what choices you made. You're just fucked. So you have to realize that still happens, not in such an obvious way, but there are things that we are we either have or have acquired or haven't acquired um, that you know it's all the difference in the world in terms of how we how things happen to us and uh, on other extremes you know there we know of things like where normal people start getting into kitty porn and then they get arrested and they go to jail and they they have some medical condition where they find out that there's a tumor in their brain and then they take the tumor out and they're no longer interested in kitty porn I mean it's there there's so many things that we don't understand right now and and my focus is in just trying to you know i think we spend a, a lot of money politically uh, curing things instead of preventing them and i think there's that that's one of my big things politically is let's just let's just prevent this crap from and from you know, but then you have to make an investment. You have to make an upfront investment. And people don't like to make the upfront investment. They'd rather, you know, see if everything goes to shit. And if it goes to shit, let, well we'll fix it later. You know, yeah, fix I call, it. And-
2: I call it swatting at the symptoms, right? I mean, they yeah. want to put out the immediate threat, but if the root problem remains unaddressed, and yet in the Twitterverse, I mean you cannot address things like this in two hundred and eighty characters. It's just impossible. Right. And yet people want to be spoon-fed, the easy answer, the binary answer, the A B, yes, no, black, white a good yeah. evil answer that will clean up the world and the world is a messy, messy place. So it's, right. and that's right. tough. So I'm, I don't know why I felt the need to tack something onto your answer there. I was just like, you got me riled up. I was like, yes, preach, preach on Brian. <laughs> Let's end philosophical, man. Let's talk about you and your life. You doing all right. You got any optimism about the years ahead? Cause it's, it is messy out there. What do you think?
1: It's interesting. Uh, I haven't really talked about this, On my shows or anything, but I found out this year that I have something called sensory processing sensitivity, which makes me a quote unquote highly sensitive person, which um, my my daughter, it's a it's a genetic thing. And it's and it's uh, my daughter told me years ago that she she was she was a highly sensitive person. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm I'm a highly sensitive person, too, not realizing that's an actual thing. And um, finally, my my uh, my doctor and both my doctor and my therapist said, "Yeah, you're you're a highly you know you do a little self test, which has been uh, peer reviewed and everything, and and you find out. Oh my God! I, I mean, I'm learning stuff about my stuff myself now at 54. That's just kind of freaking me out. Still, I'm still having to uh, look back and see how this thing has really affected my life. But we we literally have a different 20% of us literally have a different. Um, nervous system, and it affects our emotions and and literally the, like our feelings, how we touch and taste and see and smell and um, all kinds of weird things that I that really now looking back on my life, it all makes sense. I just thought I was a really weird person, and I guess I am. Uh, I'm very different from eighty percent of the population in many ways, but it, it it makes sense now, and it's it's kind of empowered me. Um, so I'm, uh, I've written a script. I want to get back into movie making. And uh, I have a number of scripts that I would really like to make, but there's no way I can make them without a lot of money. So I wrote a script that we can make on our own, and I'm gonna, we're hopefully going to start shooting that this year with um, Jesse Jesus, the guy who plays Jesse Jesus in our show, Sean Douglas, and Scott Clifton, who, um, if you're YouTube people, you may know him as Theoretical Bullshit, he was in a video I made called The Born Again Identity, and, and he was amazing. Amy, who plays Lucifer on the show, I think she's going to be in it. And my stepdaughter, who's crazy talented. And it's a it's a small little film that that I wrote specifically so that we can make it with a very little budget. We're going to try to crowdsource it and see how, how that goes. Um, but we can make it out for almost nothing. And it's, you know, uh, Scott read it the other week and wrote me back, you know, dude. This is brilliant, and he loves it. And so I, I you know, I, I take great uh, pride in that because he's 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 just such a sharp guy. He's so smart um, and such
2: a great actor.
1: I refuse to be on like photo.
2: I, I try not to be photographed too close to him because he looks he's, like he was chiseled out of marble.
1: Well, I have to stand next to Sean Douglas when we do our yeah. episodes. It's it's just infuriating. It's, I it's, luck so was beautiful. not
2: on my side. I'm just saying. Yeah, I yeah, I look like yeah. Bob Saget. You know I'm saying, Brian? Um,
1: <laughs> you do look a little like Bob Saget. Oh,
2: God, no, don't say it. <laughs> yeah, How do people find that. your work? I know that uh, you're, you've got your finger in a lot of pies, but is there a hub, a website? Where do people go?
1: Well, on YouTube, it's Mr. Deity, M-I-S-T-E-R-D-E-I-T-Y. And the only other place I would encourage people to go is to my Patreon account, which is patreon.com, Mr. Deity, capital M-R-D-E-I-T-Y so that's how you can see my stuff and reach me and I keep everything free that's why I, I love my patrons I don't want to make it a, a pay thing I don't want to put a paywall up I like people to have the resources of the shows so thank thank you to all the patrons patrons who, who continue to make this possible Yeah, well
2: dude it's an honor to be able to have you on the show you make us laugh and you make us think Brian Dalton help our paths cross again soon thanks again for being on the show
1: thank you so much Follow
0: The Thinking Atheist on Facebook and Twitter. For a complete archive of podcasts and videos, products like mugs and t-shirts featuring the Thinking Atheist logo, links to Atheist pages and resources, and details on upcoming free thought events and conventions,
3: log on to our website, thethinkingatheist.com.